Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for November 4th, 2019. Uh, this is the time of the week where we get together to talk about everything CircuitPython uh, and Python on hardware related. I am Katni. I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs <clears throat> on microcontrollers, which are tiny computers. This meeting is recorded. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. This meeting is recorded. Uh, we record both the audio and the Discord channel where we host the meeting. So if you um, if you are in the meeting, uh, be aware that you are being recorded. Uh, this meeting is held typically on Mondays uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we hold it on the Adafruit Discord server. Uh, so if you're listening to this later and you'd like to join us, uh, you can check that out at adafru.it slash discord. Um, we have, uh, we're there all week chatting in the CircuitPython channel, um, as well as many other uh, channels. If you are looking for answers to questions of all sorts of tech-related stuff, check out the Adafruit Discord. Um, the audio is held in the CircuitPython audio chat. And so if you are not interested in your voice being recorded, you can always type out any kind of discussion you'd like to have during the meeting into the CircuitPython channel, and we will read it off. Uh, CircuitPython development is sponsored by Adafruit, so please support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. Uh, the video of this meeting will be released on YouTube and also on many, many podcast services. If you find that we are missing your favorite podcast service, please let us know so we can fix that up. This meeting is held in five parts. Um, the first part is community news, which is a look at everything going on in the community with Python on hardware. The second section is state of circuit Python on the libraries, where we talk about the sort of statistical overview of the entire project, gives us an idea of the health of the project and just information about it by numbers. We'll talk about the project overall and then separately discuss the core and the libraries. The third section is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is uh, an opportunity to call someone out for doing something good, which doesn't happen enough. So we try to put effort into making sure it does happen. And uh, it's held in a round robin format where I will start as an example and then um, we'll go down the list alphabetically, giving everyone who wants to a chance to give a hug report um, if they are interested. If you are not going to be attending the meeting, but you'd still like to give a hug report, or if you are going to be lurking in the meeting and still wanna give a hug report, you absolutely can. Uh, please include it in the notes document that is provided um, usually on Saturday or Sunday before the meeting and uh, posted to the CircuitPython channel. And just put uh, either text only or lurking or whatever right after your name, and then you can put your information in and we'll read it off alphabetically as though you are part of the meeting. The next section is status updates, which is a chance to talk about what you have done over the last week since the last meeting and what you will be doing over the next week until the next meeting. Um, it is also held in a round-robin format. We start with me and go down the list and loop back around and give everyone who wants to a chance to talk. Um, it, uh, it's basically you take a couple minutes, talk about what you've been doing. Um, we love to know what you're up to even outside of CircuitPython. We have heard about uh, bathroom remodels before. So uh, whatever it is you're, you're doing, we want to know. This is our our opportunity during the week to sync up with the community and find out what everyone's up to, not just Adafruit people, which is always excellent. And the last section is lovingly dubbed in the weeds, which is where we have longer form discussions, either things that come out of status updates that um, seem to be longer than fit with a status update, or whether it be um, something that is already a long-form discussion that should be held outside of status updates. Um, add it to in the weeds in the notes document and we will uh, bounce to you and you can talk about your um, in the weeds discussion. We have one in there already. If you come up with one, please post it to the CircuitPython channel chat or in the notes document uh, during the meeting so that we're not waiting 
around to see if anyone has an in the weeds topic at the end. And that is how the meeting goes. And with that, I will turn it over to Phil for community news. All right. Thank you, Kenny. You're welcome. Okay. First up, yay, we hit the next level of this server, which is there's three levels. So now I don't have to think about missing out on a higher level. So we have um, 30 boosts altogether. So we get a bunch of emojis. We get um, higher quality audio. And then everyone can upload bigger files. That's cool. Next up. CircuitPython 5.0 Alpha is released. Read all the details. But specifically, there's more STM support. We've been adding that. And you can check that build out. We'll probably have another one pretty shortly after that. Big news. Hackaday and DigiKey and Adafruit is doing a take flight with Feather contest. There's already nine entries. Um, some are from the community here because a lot of them happen to just use CircuitPython. So check that out. There's a bunch of prizes. Uh, the way it works is uh, the Hackaday and DigiKey team will look at the categories that you can enter it, and then uh, Adafruit makes it, and then it's sold on DigiKey site. So cool way to um, do some manufacturing. And Lady Ada will be doing a, a few talks and more to some of the folks that are entering about manufacturability. So it's like mentoring and more. Open Hardware Month is over. All 35 posts are up. We did a post today plus some. Um, there's a bunch of Python on hardware included in there. So you can check those out all in one spot now. Python creator Guido von Rossum is retiring from Dropbox. And uh, Dropbox had this really nice article, but I thought this was a, a neat quote that was in there. Maintainable code is more important than clever code. Um, I like clever code written Clever Code, but I also know Clever Code um, sometimes is not great for everybody else, especially if it's not commented. So I was thinking about um, how he emphasized that not only in his words, but also with Python itself, easier to maintain. As we've been talking to people who are doing things like satellites, uh, small sats, one of the reasons they're going with Python, CircuitPython, MicroPython is it's easier to maintain. And that's been one of the problems with code for things that go to space. Um, it's up in space, and then people move on. They get out of school. Uh, people get older. Um, there are satellites up there, and there's only so many people who can maintain them. But the code itself is uh, complicated. So looks like Python is a place to help with that. Uh, just last night, Snackboard, it's a new board coming out. Um, Keith has been working on this for a bit. We've covered it, and now it's going to be on CrowdSupply, one of our favorite places for people to get hardware. So you can sign up over there. It's a Python microcontroller if you like doing things with um, Legos. Check that out. Run CircuitPython. Had a couple blog posts about this, because I think a lot of people, they'll do GoFundMes, or they'll do Patreons, or they'll do Kickstarters, um, or like Adafruit, we just did buy one, give one for Black Girls Code. Um, and then there's also this teamtrees.org. So what we did is we showed how to use um, Dashblock. You can use any type of API, but Dashblock just makes it easy. You just like point and click, and uh, whatever the numbers it sees, it uses that as a, a, a JSON feed. And then you can display that. So this is a really neat and easy way for people to keep track of of crowdfunding and also things like Kickstarters. So I wanted to get that up there because a lot of people are involved with that. Um, all aboard, we now have 86 boards on circuitpython.org. Hug report to Melissa helping out, I think, today to get those last ones in for the newsletter. So a couple new ones, we got Itsy Bitsy and SparkFun had two different versions, one with Flash, other SparkFun Quick Micro, and one without. This is all part of the weekly Python on hardware newsletter. You can do an issue, you can do a pull request, and you can also just sign up for it on adafruitdaily.com. And that's the community news. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Danny. All right, next up is the state of CircuitPython and libraries. This is a statistical overview of the project. Uh, it gives us a chance to hear about the project in terms of numbers and get an idea of the health of the project based on that. So first we'll talk about it overall, then we'll talk about the core, and then we will talk about the libraries. So overall, we had 19 pull requests merged by 10 authors. Um, thank you to everyone who has been uh, submitting pull requests and eight reviewers, which is excellent, um, especially with uh, eight reviewers being on a number of 19 uh, PRs. Uh, it's always good. We can't do this without 
reviews. So thank you to everyone who's been involved in that. We had 17 issues closed by 10 people and eight opened by eight people, which means we're net down, uh, which is excellent. So overall, we are working towards uh, another release on CircuitPython. Um, we've been rewriting the BLE API and that release is imminent. Um, once that's out, the API breaks and we do everything in a new way. So if you are using um, your circuit playground Bluefruit, uh, for example, um, please keep an eye out for that and uh, we can help you get your project updated to the new API and it would be great if you could test it, um, that sort of thing. It's not included in the current uh, alpha release, but it will be included in the next one, which is going to happen very soon. Uh, we are working on updating all of the libraries to uh, use GitHub Actions as the CI. And um, as well, uh, we are likely going to be updating um, the version of PyLint that is used, which means our um, code uh, will need to be looked at because there are new checks in that. And so that will be good to get that up to date. And that means there's going to be um, a lot of fixing going on in the libraries. It doesn't affect any of your code, but there will be a lot of um, updates and releases and that sort of thing coming up fairly soon. And that's where we are overall. Um, in terms of the core, there were zero pull requests merged in the last week. We have 12 open pull requests. Um, there were zero issues closed by zero people and four open by four people, leaving 193 open issues and um, there is a link to all of those in the notes. We have seven active milestones. Uh, the important ones are the ones that are on uh, 5X right now um, and the ones that are not assigned to a milestone. So we definitely wanna, there are nine of those and we wanna make sure we stay on top of those so they don't get lost. Um, in terms of downloads, uh, our current alpha release as of the time that this was uh, run was 5.0 alpha four which had 3,798 downloads, and our stable release 4.1.0 had 16,076. And there's a breakdown by board in the notes, as well as a breakdown of uh, download stats by language available. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, take a look at the notes. In terms of the libraries, we had 19 pull requests merged by 10 authors and eight reviewers. Um, thank you again to everyone who has been involved with that, leaving us with 30 open pull requests currently. Um, a couple of those are new. A lot of them are very old. Uh, it's something that we need to look into and see what we want to do with that. We had 17 issues closed by 10 people and four open by four people, getting us down to 138 open issues. And there's a link to those in the notes as well. We had a number of updated libraries in the past week, which is also excellent to see. Uh, and I will not read those off. Um, again, they are uh, available in the notes. And that is the state of CircuitPython and the libraries. Next up is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance to call people out for doing something good. Um, we uh, like to take the time every week to make sure that we're recognizing people for the work they're doing and giving other people a chance to recognize um, people or the community as a whole or um, whomever they are interested in recognizing um, a chance to do so. So uh, it's held in a round robin format. I will start as an example and then we'll go down the list alphabetically um, and uh, everyone who wants to will get a chance to say their part. Um, if you are text only or lurking, please let us know and I will read it off as we get to you. Um, and uh, with that, I will get started. So I have a hug report for PT and Lady Ada for being understanding during a situation on Thursday. I had something come up um, which delayed some stuff that I was doing and they were obviously very understanding about it. So I really appreciated that. Uh, thanks to Jeff for a discussion on Thursday. Really appreciate it. Um, to the community moderators for continuing to be amazing. It's always nice to see things running smoothly and see things being caught um, before they turn into major issues. Uh, we try to discuss um, 
any kind of moderation issues. And I'm often, by the time I get to those discussions, they've already been had and they are excellent. So I really appreciate everything that the community moderators have been doing on Discord. Um, thanks to Maker Melissa for taking notes in today's meeting and a giant hug report to the team for another CircuitPython release. And next up is Maker Melissa. Hello. So first of all, I wanted to give a hug report to Dave Pets for uh, Display Shapes Fix and another for Ted Drew Fistini for adding PWM out to the Pocket Beagle. Uh, I report to Lady Ada for some tips on getting uh, the Sharp displays working in both uh, on uh, CircuitPython and on Blinka. And, oh, and Arduino. And um, everyone involved in getting another release of CircuitPython out, and just a group hug to everyone. All right, excellent. Next up is Sedacious. Howdy. So I've got three uh, hug reports. First off, for Summersoft, uh, as part of his help with, um, I say help, really, he's been doing everything. Uh, help with uh, doing the move to GitHub Actions. Uh, he sent over a little bit of said foo to uh, automate one more thing that was seeming like it was going to be a manual process. Um, so that was super helpful and also inspired me to finally learn said, which is has proved useful. Uh, another one to Scott Tanu um, for a reminder a while back to automate the boring bits. Um, I, I took that to heart and have been doing so, and a couple times this week that, that uh, turned out well for me. Um, and lastly, to um, Cater Carter uh, for his work adding the FT232H to Blinka. That has significantly changed my workflow in writing drivers for the positive. Um, with that, plus a teeny bit of automation has just made my cycle time so much faster and allowed me to use all the tools that you get on a desktop to um, help move things along. So um, that's been very, very helpful. Um, and that's it for me. All right. Thanks. Uh, next up is Summersoft. Hello. Um, so I've got a hug for, for Dan for doing the, the next alpha release. Um, and then, of course, everyone who contributed to the things that went into that release. Um, and then a hug to uh, Lady Ada, Katney, and Scott for the reviews and mergers over the weekend. You are very welcome. All right, next up I have someone in the notes. Uh, Stargirl says, group hug to this community just continues to be awesome. Then I have another set of notes from Tan Newt, who is on a plane to warm weather. Thanks to Dan for BLE PR reviews, Alpha 5, and holding down the fort. Thanks to Katney for running the meeting for a second week in a row. Thanks to Thea for the BLE PR review, and a group hug for all the awesome things I've missed. Um, and again, someone in the notes. Uh, PT says, thanks to Maker Melissa for getting some more boards on circuitpython.org. Then we have a lot of lurkers, which means next up is Dan H. Dan H. Hi. Um, let's see. So I, um, thanks to Scott for the uh, continuing uh, the BLE uh, PRs and the reworks after we reviewed some of those PRs after Thea and I reviewed them reviewed them. Thanks to Thea for contributing to those reviews. So uh, I'll talk about in my status about um, the details of those uh, Bluetooth PRs. And um, <clears throat> I made I added a bunch of new boards or several new boards and Lady Ada tested those thanks to her for testing those. And uh, thanks uh, belatedly to Summersoft who proposed three different ways for us to try to do versioning dependencies in the libraries. And we still have to figure that out. And I have an topic about that. And thanks to um, Lucian for continuing on the STM32F4 work. There's just tons of stuff to do and he's chugging along. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, excellent. Next up is Hair Effect. 
so big thanks to um, Scott and Dan this week for being patient with me on PWM. Uh, uh, I was very certain about a certain mathematical thing and also was very certainly wrong. So thank you for uh, putting up with me on that. Um, uh, otherwise, thank you to Lady Ada for testing all of the new uh, STM32 PRs. Um, and a group hug to everyone for the new release. Very excited. All right, excellent. Uh, let's see, next up is Jason P. Can you still hear me all right? I can. Okay, so thanks to Dave Putz for the display shapes fix. The truth is my Pi Portal's been idle for quite a few weeks here, but I did test out the fix and it works, so I appreciate that. And then uh, also just a kind of a hug to the whole Adafruit team and anybody that's contributed to past learning guides and forums because we're making good use of that stuff right now as we're working on a board here that is intended to support CircuitPython. So thank you to everybody who does that stuff. It's excellent. All right, great. Um, next up is Jay Epler. Good afternoon. Uh, mostly I just want to thank Dan for doing the honors and tagging that new alpha release. It's going to be tremendously helpful to a lot of users uh, to have that available rather than uh, the previous alpha. So thank you for that, Dan. And thank you for everybody who put stuff in that release because it's the best one yet. All right, excellent. And that is Hug Reports. So next up is Status Updates. Status Updates status is updates, uh, our chance uh, to sync up um, on what everyone's been up to since the last meeting and what everyone will be up to until the next meeting. Um, so take a couple minutes, tell us about what you've been doing, tell us about what you're going to do. And um, it's also an opportunity to get tips and tricks from others if you have any quick questions. And remember that if anything is going to turn into a longer form discussion, we have time for that in the weeds uh, after uh, status updates. So um, bear that in mind. And if you do come up with something that you want to talk about in the weeds, again, please uh, mention it in the CircuitPython channel or add it to the notes. And with that, I will get started. So last week, updated the fingerprint sensor guide for um, use with uh, Blinka and Raspberry Pi and uh, blog that. Um, created the, a guide for the Stemma relay breakout um, that has a quick example on how to use it, shows how to wire it up, that sort of thing, um, pinouts, etc. And uh, blog that up as well. Added the Feather Quadwing PCBs to GitHub. Um, this is the the quad version of the doubler and tripler that gives you a chance to put four feathers or four rather a feather and three wings um, on one board. Uh, we hadn't put the PCB files up for those yet, so that's been done. I updated the TTL serial camera VC0706 guide for use with Blinka and Raspberry Pi um, or any single board computer in Linux. Um, so there's now information on that available in the guide. Um, still need to blog that up, but uh, that's been updated and a few other miscellaneous things that I'm sure I've forgotten. This week, uh, first thing that's up is adding the new USB-C micro lipo charger to the micro lipo guide. Uh, it's a new board we just released that um, I learned something new about that today. It turns out we've exposed the data pins on it. So it works both as a USB-C breakout and as a LiPo charger. Um, so you can hook that up to your microcontroller board and use it as a USB-C breakout as well. Um, so we need to add quite a bit of information about that to the guide um, since there's little Easter eggs like that that people will like to know. Um, after that is, there's a lot I have to do for that, but after that is done, um, I'll be testing the NPR 121 hat um, on Raspberry Pi with Blinka, and if that is successful, um, then I will, um, if that is successful, then I will update the guide. Um, need to create an issue on AS7262 about adding UART support. Uh, 
testing the PMS5003 air quality sensor um, with pi on Raspberry Pi with Pi Serial, update the code, and then update the guide if that's successful. And then the HDSRO4 needs a whole new guide um, that'll be tested on Raspberry Pi and so on and so forth um, as comes with new guides. Um, so that's what's on my list. Probably some of this will still be on my list next week um, as I don't foresee uh, plowing through all of it. Oh, and so that is what I am up to. Uh, next up is Maker Melissa. Hello. Okay, let's see here. Um, okay, so last week I uh, updated scrolling examples uh, from the learning guide uh, to work in the latest CircuitPython. I finished up a Nokia display guide. Finished up the sharp memory display guide. I updated the circuit guide to reflect new features. Uh, I worked on the WS2801 guide. Um, still working on that one. And I updated some boards on the circuitpython.org website. Uh, this week, I'm going to finish up some of the WS2801 issues of Harbor Spy on CircuitPython. Uh, finishing up the that guide, and then I'm going to work on the SSD1325 guide, and uh, work on updating the IS31FL3731 Charlie Plugs LED guide. Excellent. And that's it. All right, looking forward to all those updates. <laughs> and next up is Sedacious. Hello again. So last week I finished uh, the guides for the LSM 303. That's more of an update, and the MPU 6050. Um, they're not completely done. I'm waiting on final pictures of the hardware once it's manufactured to update. Um, so that was fun with fritching and whatnot. Uh, I also did the LSM 6D SOX. That's another IMU uh, from ST. I did the bring up on that. Um, and some initial hardware tests, make sure all the pins work and whatnot. Um, that was done using Blinka uh, and the FT232H that I previously mentioned. Um, I was able to write a small script that automatically rerun my test script against the new version of the library when either the library or the um, test script were updated. So that allowed me to basically be continuously making and updating and fixing changes and seeing the output and stuff like that. It was super, super cool. Um, so that's, that's just the way I'm going to do it from here on out. Obviously, I have to test on um, running everything on through the normal hardware and whatnot later, but it's super fun and super cool. Uh, let's see, what else? I did, So as part of that, I also did some um, kind of uh, initial prototyping and sketching of this idea I've been floating around of abstracting registers for uh, drivers and chips in JSON or some other format and then using that to generate code. Um, I was able to do that successfully with a couple of registers and um, it's coming along very well. It's kind of referencing what I mentioned about uh, Scott suggesting that I automate the boring bits so I think there's going to be a lot of uh, good stuff to come out of there. I'll spend more time doing interesting stuff and less time doing repetitive stuff. Um, and it'll also theoretically make it easier for um, people with less experience to be writing drivers as well. Uh, let's see. I uh, attempted to make an easy make oven, according to Dan's guide. And um, in doing so, got overly ambitious and uh, um, essentially blew up one of my pie portals. Um, hopefully, I mean, not didn't really actually blow up. That'd be kind of impressive. Um, it just doesn't work. Uh, hopefully, I will be able to find someone to fix it. Uh, let's see. I did um, a lot of work on my Droid reverse engineering project yesterday. Um, I got pretty much the entire schematic captured, as far as I can tell. There's a couple question marks where there's like a zero ohm resistors for jumpers and inductors that kind of uh, make the signal paths not entirely clear. But nonetheless, it's good enough that I can start writing software for it. And hopefully this week, I'll be, um, I'll be doing more with that. Um, uh, part of that, SED came up. Uh, I was able to use SED to rename a bunch of nets and parts 
uh, from their default names um, to make things a lot easier to um, figure out the signal path and what needs to be connected to what. Um, so that was super useful. I'll, I'll, when I'm done, I'll dump a small said one-liner uh, so you can see what I was doing into the chat. Um, so what else? I could, yeah, so that was it for last week. Uh, this week, I'm doing more work on the LSM 60 SOX, um, making it an uh, actual driver that reports data rather than just testing the hardware. Um, I'm going to do probably some guide wrap-up for the LSM 303 AGR and the MPU 6050 when we get pictures in with the hardware, because I think both should be being manufactured this week. Um, I'm probably going to start some new boards, and I will continue hacking on my Droid. Hopefully, I'm going to get uh, Blinky uploaded and maybe even spin some motors. And that's it for me. Excellent. Sounds great. Uh, next up is Summersoft. <clears throat> Hello again. Uh, so last week, um, uh, as far as the GitHub Actions CI migration, uh, I got the community bundle uh, migration done. That one was tricky. It required a, a little bit of finesse. It's not as boilerplate as the rest of them. Um, and then I've continued working on migrating uh, Adabot's daily Travis jobs over to Actions. Um, I'm pretty close to finishing that. Uh, I've got a couple of things to worry about as far as the bundle updates and then uploading the reports to S3. Uh, then for, for Adabot, um, late last week, I think it was. Um, but with the migration to GitHub Actions away from Travis, um, we wanted a way to kind of gauge where we're at, you know, metric-wise. Um, of what's done and what needs to be done. So I disabled all the the infrastructure checks on the libraries for Travis and then changed some of them uh, to point towards if they've been migrated to GitHub Actions or not. And then uh, on November 1st, the Hacktoberfest label function uh, ha experienced a problem because apparently I forgot how to spell the word label in a variable. So it crashed. Um, so I fixed that. Um, and then Lady Ada uh, merged it in Saturday night, I believe it was. Uh, so the it it actually didn't crash yesterday when it ran. And um, it successfully removed all the labels, from what I can tell, even though on the report it said it didn't remove any. So buggy code. It's awesome. So that was it for Adabot. Uh, the other thing is I... I got some parts in and I successfully uh, transitioned RosyPy to boot from an SSD instead of an SD card. Um, that's more of a longevity thing. So for this week coming up, uh, I'm going to finish um, Adabot uh, migration to GitHub Actions. And then I'm going to start on the circuitpython.org uh, Travis cron job. And then um, as I've gotten farther into working on RosyPy, it's I've gotten to a point where you know the the prototype kind of it works how I expected it to, and um, but the thoughts of how does it work in the wild have kind of come up. Um, so I'm starting to look at its overall architecture topology, if you if you will, uh, because having the app handler and the server and the test component all on the one place it doesn't really work that well. So it limits you to one job. Um, so it's kind of a bottleneck and then it doesn't scale beyond that. And then if that fails, it all crumbles. So I'm kind of looking at moving some some of the pieces out to, you know, out to the cloud and whatnot. But yeah, that's all I got. And then whatever else comes up. All right. <clears throat> Sounds good. Thank you for all your work. All right, next up, I have uh, Stargirl in the notes. Last week, finished up beta hardware and software on my Eurorack project, Winterbloom Soul. Found beta testers and ordered PCBs and components. Beta modules go out later this month. Poked at BLE stuff. This week, 100% of my energy will now be devoted to panicking about my Supercon talk, so I may not be online much. Totally understandable. 
Next up, I have Tan Newt in the notes. Scott, on a plane still. Polished up the BLEIO changes and the corresponding library work and should be merged shortly. Um, please test it out and help us expand the BLE services and advertisements. Out this week, soaking up sun in Florida, back Saturday. We'll be around Sunday through Tuesday and running Monday's meeting. And uh, I scrolled too far. Um, nobody else in the notes. So it looks like next up is Dan. Okay, let me scroll back to my notes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so as I mentioned, uh, there were two major uh, Bluetooth low energy pull requests, one for uh, CircuitPython itself and one for the library, which uh, Scott worked on and then we had some feedback and he changed it and it's they're basically ready to merge. Uh, we haven't merged yet because Scott and I decided that we would release Alpha 5 with the current API for right now, so we wouldn't break too many things at once. But, um, so I did that release, and as mentioned, uh, there are a lot of changes because this is, this release is almost, has, it's been almost two months since the previous Alpha. So there are new boards, there are fixes to old boards, uh, uh, and so forth. Um, the next release, probably alpha.6 will include the new BLA change, BLE changes and not much else. And that might be done quite soon. Uh, but it would be, we did want to have this separation. So the next thing that I'm going to do is, um, <clears throat> as soon as it's obvious that alpha.5 is not completely broken by accident, I'll merge uh, the other BLE changes and retest the examples and maybe prepare an alpha.6, not necessarily right away. Uh, and um, I'm going to give, uh, Lady Ada is going to test some of the examples again on the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. And uh, at that point, at some point, then we'll, we'll make an alpha-6 with the new BLE changes. And then the, the other thing that I'm going to work on is that what she'd like to do is Currently, the way that you talk to Bluefruit, to Bluetooth things right now is that we often use the Nordic UART service, and we have this sort of arbitrary protocol that we send over UART. And it's not very Bluetooth-ish, and it would be nice to make a Bluetooth service, which is the sort of the way you're supposed to talk to devices. And both um, Scott and uh, TAC are interested in making more of an Adafruit service. So I'm going to make a straw man service for that and get it to talk to some of the peripherals on the circuit playground blue fruit, like the temperature sensor. And I'll try that out just from a Linux machine and continue to work on that. So that's sort of my next task. And you won't see much of that uh, in, in the libraries or anything until it gets to a more stable form. But that's what we're trying to do first. I was going to start working on bonding somewhere. I keep saying that every week for the past six weeks, but it keeps getting put off for other reasons. And the only reason we really need bonding right now is to do BLE HID, and that will come after some of this other stuff. So I'll defer that for now. Okay, I think that's sort of clear and too many technical details, but that's what's going on. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Uh... Sounds like Drew will be able to do a status update. Yes. Excellent. So, um, Excellent. yeah, last week um, I was uh, working on an issue where um, someone had noticed that PWM wasn't working for the Pocket Beagle. Um, and that was because it, it had not been implemented yet. So I had an implementation for that um, and created a pull request. Um, and then next up is to also add in the pin definitions for the Beagle. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds um, good. That means next up, next up is higher effect. Hey, so uh, this past week I was working on wrapping up um, 
CDWM and UART, which uh, I've been working on for a while. Um, this looks like, like those are pretty close, if not just totally finished, um, pending any further kind of style edits, uh, which uh, is going to open me up for a lot of STM32 port cleanup uh, in the coming weeks. So um, I'm putting through, I'm already putting through a couple of port pull requests uh, just this morning. Um, and uh, they're probably going to continue to be fairly rapid fire since a lot of stuff is just little minor things that need to be tweaked or fixed or added um, that'll make, that'll kind of expand our library support and just uh, generally make things uh, a little bit more stable, a little bit more maintainable across the, uh, the whole port level. So um, I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be the opportunity to kind of revisit a lot of things that kind of got left behind in the name of expediency on getting sort of the big major features out. Um, and uh, I'm also going to be keeping an eye on uh, any new people who need support for SDM32 since the new other S405 board is out uh, and uh, is running circuit Python, presumably in people's uh, homes and offices and stuff already. So I'm going to do my best to help out anybody who is um, new to the port and uh, just checking out STM32 for the first time, maybe. Um, past that, uh, I got dragged into a coworker's project making a light suit this past week. So that was kind of entertaining evening work. Um, one of the, the music blinking kind of things uh, that they had on uh, America's Got Talent. Um, and uh, got some other kind of plastics-related projects of my own, but um, for CircuitPython, it's going to be cleanup for the next probably couple weeks. So that's it for me. All right, thanks. Uh, next up is Jason P. Okay. Well, we have been working on a new board here that we call Evo, and um, it's got a SAMD51 and an FPGA. Feather footprint, and we want it to support CircuitPython as well. So we are working on that, and we've got a, a few, uh, we're a few steps along the path, and we just got these boards in over the weekend. And we're starting to test out the board and put parts on them, and just make sure all the power supplies are there and all that kind of stuff. So, looks like we we like I said earlier, being able to use the documentation and some of the guides and stuff that are there was really really helpful. And um, we currently have a, a Feather, or I'm sorry, an, a Metro M4 Express that will enumerate as, a, um, as an Evo board when you kind of put in bootloader mode. Mm -hmm. So we've got that part down and we're kind of using the, you know, we're, we're leveraging a lot of the Feather stuff to get this up and going. So hopefully that part of it will come together pretty quickly, but we got to get it all put together now, make sure we don't smoke anything. Uh, yeah, so Mad Bodger's question. Yep, same group, that's us. So we're um, really intrigued by the, uh, you know, being able to support CircuitPython with this and excited about doing that. So just wanted to give an update. It's a quite a learning experience. It's a real different kind of a thing than we did last time around. And it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so there, so good question on the IOs. So we have all the Feather IOs and then there are an additional 32 castellated vias. So there's one for each one of the Feather I.O. and then there are interstitial ones in between the through-hole vias that you can kind of see there. And then they wrap around on the edge as well. So the whole thing is designed to be able to be surface mounted down to a board. So if you didn't populate any of the through-hole stuff, or I'm sorry, it's not through-hole, but if you didn't populate like the USB header and that kind of thing, you could, it's all there, so you could just surface mount it. So we had a, a customer kind of driving this design a little bit, and uh, we wanted to make it, like I said, as long as we we're going in this route anyway, I was really pushing for CircuitPython support on this and that's what the team has been working on. So I'm really excited about it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks amazing. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. I know they're um, putting parts down right now and doing some testing and seeing something funny with some power supply outputs. So we need to make sure that's all working correctly before we do too much with the other chips. Understandable, keep us posted. Mm -hmm. Will do. Yeah, thanks for all your guys' help. It's been great. Of course. All right. Next up is Jay Epler. Hello again. Uh, last week, I squeaked in and got my um, Hacktoberfest 4th 
PR, and that was a small fix for a Circuit Playground Bluetooth bug. If you touch the audio pad with your fingertip, that noise would uh, be amplified and played on the internal speaker. And the fix for that was pretty simple, and it was uh, code that was written but never enabled that just uh, turns off the speaker enable pin. It's an internal pin only uh, until you specifically request it. So that was a, an easy one because somebody had already written like 90% of the code and I just had to get it uh, enabled. Uh, this week, I remain busy with uh, my soon to be X day job. Friday is my last day and I'm wrapping up a lot of things here at the office. It's very bittersweet because I worked for this company for 20 years and. I have a ton of friends here, but I'm also super excited for the next week after that and the next week after that to be with my CircuitPython friends instead. Um, and in a would be nice, I hope to have time to work on a driver for a VL53L1X distance sensor. This is on a quick breakout from SparkFun, and it seems to be totally different than the VL53L0X, as you can tell by the fact that it's a one instead of a zero. Right. Um, so there doesn't appear to be a driver for this yet. I've looked around twice, and all the further I've gotten in playing with it is just to get it to enumerate on the I2C bus. So I have not gotten very far on that. But if I have some spare time, that's where it's going to be going. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone. That is status updates. Next up is in the weeds. In the weeds is an opportunity for more long-form discussions, bigger questions, things that don't fit into status updates, or things that come out of status updates. Uh, we have two listed. Um, so uh, first thing I will do, uh, oh, well, we have three now. Um, first thing I will do is turn it over to Dan for his topic. So um, we still have this, um issue which I've brought up a few times brought up a few times about we we have we try to have two versions of uh support two versions of um circuit python usually one that's under development and then a stable one and that means that there are libraries that might not work like a particular version of a library might not work on one version versus the other and Right now, we don't have any way to build um, bundles that vary between CircuitPython versions. We've, in the past, we've solved this problem by writing code that actually figures out what the version is and does the right thing inside the library, but that can get more and more complex. And it just, it's sort of extra code. So uh, I posted a, a, an issue which I've linked to, and Summersoft commented on that, and we have we came up with, or he came up with three ways of trying to specify um, how we might build bundles that differ between CircuitPython versions. So like, there's a 4x bundle and there's a 5x bundle and so forth. Uh, one way is branches. Uh, one way is to put some stuff in the library files that say what version that particular commit will work with. And the other is to um, augment the semver tags. There's, you can add something called metadata to a semver tag, anything that comes after a plus sign. So the example I gave is like, you might have a library version like 2.0.1, and you say, well, I want to say that that needs at least CircuitPython 5.0.0 to work with it. So it would be 2.0.1 plus 5.0.0. And then the bundle builder can look through all the tags for any particular library and choose the highest tag that will work for a particular uh, bundle. So for instance, if you know 198 is for 4.0 and below, then all the bundles would we use 198, but for the 5.0 bundle, you use the 201s. And if there if the tags weren't augmented with this plus thing, then it would just assume that any thing works for that 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 library version works for any circuit python version. So um this the third thing seems like the easiest one because it doesn't require uh rummaging around inside the files 
in in a bundle. You can just look at the tag. If you look at the Semver, the issues for Semver on GitHub, there's a there's an issues place in Semver. Other people have had the same problem in various ways. I'll po I'll post this <clears throat> in link in the and basically the Semver people say we don't really do that because all we're trying to version is an API. And if you're trying to encode dependency information in there, well, that's not our business. And if it, this, it actually even says like, you shouldn't rank versions based on what's in the build information with stuff after the plus sign. That's just metadata that doesn't matter. On the other hand, they also say like, but if you need to do something like this, go ahead, sort of. Or maybe you should come up with a, a better uh, dependency scheme because this is just depending on the version of CircuitPython and in general libraries depend on other versions. And if you look at something like uh, the way like requirements.txt, for instance, it actually lets you version all kinds of things. So the question is, should we go ahead and try to do this? What should we do? We need a solution probably pretty soon because if we're going to support four and five at the same time when five comes out for even a little while, uh, then we're going to run into this problem. So I, I don't like branches right off. Right. Um, I don't like them either. Yeah, <laughs> right. Summersoft, which of the other two are is easiest for you to implement in Adabot? So, well, and this isn't in Adabot. This oh, is in... Uh... Right. <laughs> no, I know. Implement this is in in, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, so the, the easiest is the Simver one, um, and and I will say the Simver one is my 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 favorite from an all around perspective. Um, it, the branches I don't like. I, it is probably the cleanest from a from a perspective of having that transition code. You know where we used to have you know, in in, in the import section of a library where you'd have check the version and if it's this version you know do this and if it's not then do this um the branches are, are probably the best for that particular problem but it comes with that heavy maintenance cost of you know however many versions you were currently building in build tools that's how many branches you're going to have to have uh, to maintain um the one where you put a, a basically a dunder variable in the file it, it works well. I mean, we do that currently with the version um, and and the repo, and and that that works. It solves a lot of the problems. Um, the initial maintenance of it is kind of rough because you got to update every single library. I mean, you could do it through attrition, I guess. You know, you check it if it's got it, then you use it. If it doesn't, then you just continue on. Um, but it does. And uh, in, in Dan's response to my my comments on the issue, it, it is an expensive process because you have to open every for basically every tag. You'll have to open the file, iterate through the file, check the version, close the file, then proceed on with whatever you're doing. Um, the the downside to this to using the different the metadata for the Simver is that one's a cultural problem no one at this point is used to doing it so you're going to go possibly you know through through bouts where someone releases it you know a, a new version of the library but forgets to tag it well then you have to do another release because you can't amend you know the tag so but semper is the easiest it's my favorite but it does come with that that cultural aspect of um the human error, so to speak. Well, we, we've run into that with a lot of things. Um, and it hasn't really been that painful to to bring people on board to new things. Um, right. So I don't... You can, I'm sorry. Uh, um, I agree. Yeah, it's, you know, the cultural thing is a, a thing. But like Katnia said, it shouldn't be that bad. And also, we can further automate the release process to take a lot of the decision-making out. Um, like I started using a template for um, releases when I do them, and it could just as easily be a, a script that uses the PyGitHub or some other way of interacting with the API rather than 
always using the UI. I think also for most libraries, there won't actually need to be any metadata because most libraries don't really care. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. There are not a whole lot of them that are, they're generally pretty version agnostic. Right. By the time, and when they do become version, by the time a library gets to a point where maybe it needs to have a dependency, it might be that the the breaking change in the CircuitPython version has already happened. And so you never need to to add it. I think one, one of the advantages that we have, one of the reasons that we're not worried about requirements and dependency checking so much is because we build a bundle and it has every latest thing in it. If it were the case that you would fetch the libraries one at a time, which is kind of maybe sort of a circup question, but then you have to start worrying about checking the dependency. But basically, since we package everything together, uh, you're sort of guaranteed like if, if, if you need a new version, if library X need a, needs a new version of library Y, if you release them at the same time, they're going to get in the same bundle. And so right. it's not a problem because it's, it's sort of automatic dependency updating. Right. Uh, I will branch off just a, just a minute on this one. So yeah. with, with 5X, I mean, the, the main one that kind of is driving this is the BLE library. Yep. So Right. And even a little more pointed in, out in a meeting that we had earlier today is that she doesn't really care that much because this is all alpha anyway. So, and also she doesn't expect that there are actually very many people who are using the 4X BLE stuff, that the number of such people is actually small. Right. Uh, which maybe may so it maybe it doesn't make that much difference, but it's still a support issue. But uh, I want I just wanted to note I, I had that other issue over on the build tools repo. Like we can't actually kind of handle that without answering this current question. Mm -hmm. Um where if if I say that, you know, if we add some data to the to what build tools looks for as it builds, you know, we can tag a release number to include pre-release libraries as opposed to only using published. Yeah. So I I just I wanted to point that out as an option. Currently, you know, it doesn't have to wait on the answer to this because it is its dependency. Every every single programming language that I have ever used has this problem. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I think we should go with the Semver thing. Um for multitude of reasons, not the least of which being um, it's it makes the most sense in terms of a it is easy to limit it to only the libraries that need it, and b there is not a significant um, amount of work that would go into it to to implementing it in terms of on the Semver end, not on the build tools end. Um, right the the gist of it was as long as it's not if if it's more than a day's work we should be putting that effort somewhere else i don't get the impression that it is if what's more than a day's work to implement um the the bundle specific uh mechanism using using augmented sum tags i i don't know because of my my schedule me personally, like if I'm the one who's doing this, I'm trying to figure out like how to work that out, what what a day of work is. Right. Um, yeah, I might end up implementing it. I'll see. Yeah, and you can do yeah. it too. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not calling dibs or anything on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if you want, if you if you have time, that's great because I right. But uh, I, I think the I think testing. I'll look and see if it becomes a morass in some way. Yeah. Like I was, I was hoping I need to do some sorting of tags. Like I have to fetch all the tags and then sort them. Yeah, and yeah, that's probably the most work, but that's it's not really a big job. So I'll just see how easy it is to do. Okay. Um, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out in the long run, sway change it, right? So you know, we may end up adding more stuff, or we may end up having to start doing more fancier. I mean. Package management and dependencies are a pain for everybody. Python doesn't have a good solution, or Python solution is not as great as it could be by any means. Everybody has this problem. Yep. So.
Okay. All right. Well, I'll take that. Right. I just wanted to see the consensus. I, I Right. My intuition was the last thing was the best choice, and that was confirmed. So that's good. All right. I'm, it's done from what this is, discussion is done from my point of view. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. All right. So we will um, we'll implement that, and then we can also fix the other issue that Summersoft was referring to as well with uh, on the build tools. Um, yeah. So I think both of those can be taken care of and it will um give us i because I, I really think that we need to fix this sooner rather than later because um people are starting to use things and i know uh for example um one of our own people couldn't find the pre-release because the pre-releases don't have the assets automatically expanded on the github repo so if you go to the GitHub repo and you go to the releases and you scroll down until you find assets, you find the old version because uh, okay. you don't know to click that arrow. So like I was able to fix that situation and help them out. But um, if if they're having that issue, like other people are definitely having that issue. Do you have anything to say about this from a support point of view? Not, not really. Okay. Not, not at this point. All right. I guess one of those things where you probably can't pre-guess that. You just have to like make your best guess, put it out in the wild and see see what it does. Yeah, okay. Okay, excellent. Um, sounds like we have a plan. So next up, um, I will hand it over to Drew for a question about Linux PWM out. <coughs> Yeah, um, just had a question here. Um, so this is dealing with the PWM out uh, implementation um, in uh, Adafruit Blinka. Um, so most boards have the same path to access the, the PWM, um, like I pasted in there, like sys slash class slash PWM. Um, and for the BeagleBone and Pocket Beagle, they have a slightly different path. Um, so the way I implemented that was by, by copying the um, uh, PWM out file, making my own uh, version for the, um, the the chip that's in the BeagleBone, which is the AM3358. Um, so that's the way it is right now. But as Light proposed that making the making a function to format that path, so that if we have boards that that path um, is not standard in, um, we can just override that because. Right now, I feel kind of bad for having essentially copied this file and, and only having made a few changes throughout it. Um, and if people come along and improve the PWM out in the uh, generic Linux, then the the one for the AN3358 will will fall behind. So um, just wanted to get opinions if that seemed like a right way to um, go about solving it, making this uh, like a helper function that can be overridden. Um, and I did, I, if I don't know if people can see in the, in the chat there, that may probably provide some context to it, or maybe I should paste it in again. Um, I think anything that makes it more maintainable it more and maintainable. more, more uh, broadly usable is a better way to do it. Okay. Um, in so, terms of the fact yeah. that there may be more boards that come along, like you're saying, and, um, um, the, more the more broadly spread the same broadly set of code is, is, the you know that's the, not you know, that's not great not, because that means there's four different places you need to update something if update something changes. changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, just this would be basically <laughs> be changing the um, current PMAL implementation to make make it use a helper function instead. Um, so, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, that may work uh, well. Mm -hmm. That might work well, I said. Okay. Um, so I'll probably um, create a pull request for that once I do it and see what people think about that. Um, it, I guess the other thing that I was um, curious about when I came across this, I was like, okay, we don't have PWM out for the BeagleBone. And I went to go look at how the Pi was doing it, and I noticed that there's not an implementation for the for the Pi. Um, this generic one's just covering um, the Coral board and the Giant board. Um, I, does anyone know the history mm -hmm. of why um, it wasn't done for the Pi? Um, was it just because people did it with so mm -hmm. Sorry. I think it's the something to do with the RPI GPIO library not allowing it or something. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I read in mm-hmm. on it a little while ago. I don't remember why. But RPI GPO was using software, not the hardware. So it's right. not yeah, at all that reliable. Yeah, I think they only have one hardware PWM, and I think that might even be used for audio. So I guess most people are just using an expander, which um, was I, the few threads I saw. It's people are well, just use an expander. So I guess it's not an issue in that regard. Um, so and it looks like right now the only thing we have are uh, the, the Beagle, the Coral board, and the um, Giant board right now. Okay. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Thank Sounds you. good. Sounds good. Uh, next up, uh, I next will turn, up, it, over turn it over to Carter. Over to Carter. Sure. sure. Well, hopefully, a real quick one. It's just the little thing I posted in the scrollback that ran into uh, this weekend working an issue. Patched it. It was happening in frame buffer and, and was able to fix it by just adding a try except to get around this. But I'm wondering if it's indicating that there is an issue in core or if this is just you know, something that's going to be, or if it's just the way it is. So I looked at this, what os.stat returns, and the last three numbers are a 32-bit integer. I can't actually tell what that is. I think they're time values, but I'm not sure. It's, it's not really obvious. So I think we should decide maybe internally what to do about this. Um, I don't think those values are very interesting, so we might be able to make them smaller on non-long-int platforms. But in general, it sounds like something you're curious about doing something about. It needs in, to be fixed. It needs to be fixed. Okay, so you want me to want me to open up an issue for you? Yeah. So okay. To just I'll just I'll just show you. Like if you try this on an M4, and you'll see. Like I'll just paste in what I. Or here, here's from the uh, here's from the docs. Yeah, but if you just look, if I just try, I tried this on a on a on a. Here, I'll finish pasting this. See those last the one four eight numbers, are too big. So you're right; they're they're time related, a time, m time, c time. Which right, so they're just so we should. Maybe oh, here they we are. You just scroll down. Yeah. Modified, um, change and some other something access right so i'll figure out like what what those are and maybe we can back off on them or just make them be junk or something i i don't really know what to do about that okay yeah. i'll open up an issue for you all right thanks okay no problem thanks excellent all right and that sums up in the weeds so i think uh, <coughs> it is time to wrap up this has been the Circuit Python Weekly for November 4th, 2019. Uh, we hold this meeting every Monday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, you can, if you're listening to this uh, later on a podcast or watching it on YouTube, you can always join us. Everyone is welcome. Uh, please visit adafru.it slash discord to join the Adafruit Discord, and you can find us all week in the Circuit Python channel. Um, so if you have any questions, uh, want any assistance, that sort of thing, uh, we're always available, not just during the meetings. <coughs> so thank you so much for everyone who participated, and uh, everyone have an excellent week. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.